Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. Bachelorette alum J.P. Rosenbaum, who's married to Season 7 star Ashley Herbert, woke up the morning of December 6th and had some tightness in his hands. By the time he picked up dinner for his family, he couldn't even walk right. Hoping he would sleep it off, like many of us would, he went to bed, and by the next morning, he couldn't even get his socks on. Of course, at that time, decided to go to the hospital. There, JP was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Today, I'm here with Dr. Emad Noor, a neurologist over at JFK Medical Center, and we wanted to talk to you about what Guillain-Barre syndrome is, but before we dive into that, what made you choose a career in neurology and become a doctor? Neurology is always my passion since I was in high school back in Egypt. I liked science, especially um, biology and the anatomy of nervous system, so I was very excited to, to study about this. And um, interestingly enough, I entered medical school in Egypt, and I was a neurologist back in Egypt before coming to U.S., so I finished my neurology residency over there. I was attending for a few years before coming, um, immigrated to U.S. So I have to start taking my second residency in neurology. And uh, now I'm attending in JFK. So I, I always uh, have the passion to neurology. Let's dive in. What is Guillain-Barre syndrome? Okay, so Guillain-Barre syndrome is uh, an old disease, old neurological, uh, neuromuscular, I, rather I say, disease uh, it was discovered discovered in France early in in the the late 1800s and the and the beginning of 1900s by three uh, f- uh, France uh, French uh, scientists doctors and as the name imply one of them called Gillian and the other one's called Barry and the third one was uh, Stroll for some reason. Stroll name like missed out of the disease. Yeah, he got booted. Yeah. <laughs> and now we know the disease as Guillain-Barre syndrome. So it is autoimmune disease and usually uh, follows uh, an infection, most commonly upper respiratory or lower respiratory tract infection or GI infection, okay. uh, like any cold symptoms, flu-like symptoms or diarrhea. 70% of Guillain-Barre syndrome patients they report having infection in the previous two or three weeks. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what happens, the body is trying to fight the infection mm-hmm. and it seems like there is a common antigen in the, in the bug or the germ that causing the infection. So the body is, is producing antibodies against this germ or this bug. And at the same time, it's it, it trying to attack the bug but also trying, uh, there is a similarity between the structure of this virus or this uh, uh, of this bug and with our nervous system. So it, in, it attacks the nervous system as well, especially the peripheral nervous system. Uh, to be more specific, the the myelin sheath or the the nerve itself. Okay. <coughs> so. So I remember myelin sheaths from our sheaths 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 from yeah. anatomy class yeah, yeah. and. Basically, how I remember is it's like the cover of the nerve. Correct. So if you, um, this is like analog analogy is um, 
like uh, if you see the wire, the electric wire, mm-hmm. so electric wire, the, the, the nerve itself, what commonly say in, in a medical term, axon, is the wire inside, and the myelin sheath is the rubber band around the wire. Okay, so yeah. so this disease is affecting that outside of the nerve. Actually, we have uh, multiple variants. So okay. the most common form of the disease is attacking the myelin sheath, mm-hmm. but also we have variants. So the antibodies attack the axon or the wire itself, the okay. nerve itself. And that's probably why JP was experiencing different tightness and different you know, symptoms in terms of nerve damage. Yeah, so uh, usually symptoms-wise, like the, the person uh, usually after, I said like 70% of people, like they report uh, flu-like symptoms or diarrhea-like symptoms uh, two or three weeks before the onset or before the start of the disease. And usually when the disease starts, it starts with numbness, tingling in the hands and feet in the lower uh, extremities, mainly start with the lower extremities, legs, feet, and then gradually over days, uh, the person starts to have weakness and tightness of the muscles and usually start distally uh, more than proximally, meaning it affects the, the feet and hands muscles more than uh, shoulders or hip muscles mm-hmm. in the beginning. So you mentioned how this could progress over amount of days, whereas JP, it was amount of hours. Is that normal? Yeah, it can be very fast progress progression. So, but typical course usually within uh, days, like two, three days, sometimes over a week, and the progression may continue up to four weeks. I would say between fifty to sixty percent of people, the progression of the disease uh, will reach its, its maximum in around two weeks. Uh, some people, time. yeah, it is, and uh, some people still uh, experience some progression up to three even four weeks. Wow. Yes. Uh, so it is very common to see the, the patient is uh, experiencing some symptoms, weakness in the hands, but with time, the weakness progresses until it involves the whole legs. Usually the legs are the most uh, common muscles affected. And then we call it ascending paralysis. So it affects the legs and... It kind of moves, moves throughout the body. ...to involve the, the arms. And very commonly also we see affecting the the muscles of the face, like the cranial nerves uh, are not uh, far away from involvement. Yes. Wow. So you mentioned that one of the risk or some of the risk factors are the flu and different viruses and things like that. So obviously it's flu season with the flu on the rise. And now with the infamous coronavirus, do you think that there'll be an uptick in patients with this type of syndrome? It is, it is very possible. It is uh, documented in the literature that um, Gillian Brie can follow influenza, flu virus, can, uh, can come after uh, other virus infection, namely uh, Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, HIV. Uh, coronavirus is not a kind of new virus now. We started to hear about in the news lately. So um, I didn't see in the literature it is written but it is possible because many of the pathogens or many of the viruses that we don't know about uh, can can be followed by Guillain-Barré syndrome. Yeah, especially since the I've done a lot of research on the coronavirus. Nervous I'm going to get it. Especially since the coronavirus is more of an upper respiratory and you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the viruses affiliated with 
GBS or Guillain-Barre syndrome are upper respiratory infections. Absolutely, absolutely, it's very possible. But um, telling you what is, um, uh, oh yeah, what no. is written in we the don't literature, know yet. we don't know yet. But it is very possible, of course. Usually, it it starts with upper respiratory tract infection or lower respiratory tract infection or uh, GI symptoms. Yes. So I shouldn't be too worried just yet. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what is the treatment for those who have Guillain-Barre syndrome? Uh, well, uh, treatment is basically the disease uh, does not affect only the our skeletal muscles, meaning the muscles of our movements, uh, but it might affect also uh, muscles of respiration, muscles of swallowing, and autonomic nervous system. So That's a lot. Yes. Yeah, so it is very scary sometimes if it involves uh, the muscles of the respiratory muscles or the autonomic uh, nervous system that control the heart beats. So typically the patient should be admitted. It should not be managed as outpatient. Patient should be in the hospital as soon as uh, the patient suspects having Guillain-Barre syndrome or symptoms that that resemble Guillain-Barre syndrome, the patient should go to emergency room right away. And usually we admit the patient in uh, ICU if the weakness is severe to monitor the respiratory function, monitor the heart rate, uh, blood pressure. um, And then we start treatment with uh, immune uh, immune treatment like immunosuppressant. Basically two two, uh, treatments are available. One of them is IVIG, which is intravenous immunoglobulin. The other one is a plasma exchange. So we can choose either one of them. Is this something that they would need to be treated for their whole lives? Because I know Epstein-Barr is something that kind of stays dormant inside of your body. Is this something that also stays dormant inside and kind of comes out only when you have a an infection? No. Uh, usually we describe uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome as monophasic disease, meaning it comes and usually it does not recare in most cases. So after treatment, the patient will show... Um, uh, improvement within the weeks following the treatment, and sometimes uh, the recovery might take up to uh, one to three years until okay. the patient recover completely. Some patients are fortunate enough to recover faster; some patients are not. So, um, but usually it is monophasic. If the disease progresses more than four four weeks, then we we go to another entity of disease. We call it chronic demyelinating disease. Something called instead of GBS called CIDP, which we uh, we have to treat um, like chronically with IVIG and other immunosuppressant agents. Yeah, it's a little more serious at that point. It's kind of chronic rather than serious. GBS mortality is more than CIDP, more than the chronic form. Wow. Because it involves the autonomic nervous system, respiratory muscles, heart muscles, uh, and blood pressure. But CIDP, usually it restricts to our skeletal muscles uh, which are the muscles of the movements. It is like the difference is chronicity rather than the a- acuity of the illness. So if I were to get Guillain-Barre syndrome, would I experience nerve damage after? Because the ner- all the nerves are affected, basically. Uh, fortunately enough, it is regressive disease, meaning the nerve damage that happens to our peripheral nervous system can be repaired in most of the time, like up to 85% of patients recover completely without any uh, permanent damage or residual. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, or without residual damage of the nerves because, but the nerves uh, recover slowly. That's why some patients might uh, need up to one year or three years for full recovery. 
So how do we figure out what that we have GBS? Because obviously, you know, JP started out, you know, with tightness in his hands, and and that could be a number of things. How do we know if it's GBS? So typical symptoms start like the symptoms of GP, like uh, tightness of the hands, numbness, tingling of the hands. Typically, it starts in the in the feet uh, in most of the patients, but it might start from the hand. So instead of ascending, uh, when it starts from the feet, we call it ascending paralysis. When it starts from the hand or from the head, we call it descending paralysis. So typical symptoms start with numbness, tingling, uh, tightness, weakness. So if anyone like, uh, encounters such symptoms should go directly to emergency room or call his doctor and the doctor should uh, guide him or guide her. And are they diagnosed in a particular way to know that it's GBS other than the symptoms themselves? Yeah, so in the hospital, if we suspect GBS, usually it is clinical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So we see weakness that is more uh, distal than proximal, but sometimes we see proximal more than distal. Um, meaning it affects the hand muscles in the beginning first and then progressively would involve the shoulder muscles or uh, in the lower extremities affect the feet muscles and then progressively will involve uh, the thigh and the hip muscles. In addition to uh, numbness and tingling and sensory manifestation, uh, the the cardinal symptom that we see clinically is lost uh, deep tendon reflexes with the hammer when, when we do the reflexes mm-hmm. with the hammer. Yeah. So we, we don't see reflexes in the muscles, in the t- deep tendons. Uh, this is a clinical diagnosis. And um, we have some other um, confirmatory testing in order to help in the clinical diagnosis. Uh, basically, we do a test called um, EMG or nerve conduction study. And sometimes we do a spinal tap, uh, like lumbar puncture. Sometimes we do MRI of the spines in order to confirm the diagnosis and to rule out other similar diseases. Now, JP has two kids. Is this genetic at all? It is not proven to be genetic. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions I have today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, Thank you for having me. And just I want to... uh, to emphasize the seriousness of GBS because it might kill and like 3% of people might be killed because of the autonomic symptoms, the variation in the heart rate. So if you suspect that you have GBS, call your doctor or come to emergency room as soon as possible. Thank you so much, Dr. Noor. Thank you for having me. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.